0: This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. As you begin your journey to living the one thing and you start to see the value that it brings to your life, personally and professionally, you can't help but start to look at the other people in your world that you care about and want them to begin their journey to living the one thing. We see this every year when we facilitate our couples goal-setting retreat where we've got one person who's the goal-setter and they just want their significant other to come along. Today's an example of how one man read the book and started listening to the podcast and applying it in his life and eventually looked to his daughter, who at the time was just a sophomore in high school. And she was facing some real challenges. They were living abroad. He's an executive for a large financial service company. They had been living in Asia for the past 15 years. And she was in some very prestigious competitive high schools where the demands were getting bigger than ever before. And it was affecting her. And he, as a father, wanted better for his child. And he empowered her to start living the one thing. Today's a conversation of both what was going on in his life and how he introduced the one thing to his daughter, as well as diving in with her on how she started to live it and the value that it's brought to her and when she now looks forward for her life, what she now sees as possible. Our hope through this episode is for those of you, if you are a parent, that you pay close attention and ask the question, How might I be able to share this with my kids in a way that they'll actually receive it? And also pay attention to what she has to say. I found myself at times really floored at the wisdom that was coming out of her mouth. How is applicable to all of us, regardless of what our age is. And our hope is that there's one thing that you can do to start empowering those that you care about to live the one thing at a higher level. With that, let's get into this episode with John and Kat McGuire. John, when were you introduced to the one thing? So, Jeff, I I don't recall exactly. Um, you don't remember the exact date and where you were standing and what you were wearing. What? I don't recall the the thing that
2: triggered me to get the book. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I don't know if this was referencing the book Essentialism, mm-hmm. um, which is another book I read. But you know, have it's always been a priority of mine to figure out how to best manage my time because time is the one thing that um, in my view is kind of your most valuable commodity and so you know i came across the book and the message from gary and jay really resonated with me as i try to just optimize how i'm spending my time where i'm investing it and i would say this was probably back we sit here in 2021 now Probably back in 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. I remember soon after starting to listen to the podcast as well. And at the time, you're living overseas, right? Yes. So we lived in Asia for the last 15 years. We've just recently returned to the US. And I was in
0: Singapore. The family and I were in Singapore for the last nine years. Kat, what was it like for you starting to grow up and going through education abroad?
3: I would say it was a very valuable experience. Probably one of the most interesting ways that you can be raised. Uh, I was very lucky to go to two very diverse and interesting international schools, both in Hong Kong and in Singapore. And while it was slightly challenging in the sense that there was a lot of turnover in terms of people moving and coming back, I would say overall, it was a net positive experience.
0: John, what did you observe that was going on in Kat's life that made you as a father say, I should hand my teenager this book?
2: I think like probably most dads and mom and dads out there, when you have um, kids who are going through high school, high school is a super stressful time. And, you know, Kat was a sophomore in high school where I think they start to really ramp up the demands on her. And so what I was observing was, you know, just an increase in stress as she tried to think about how to navigate that, how to keep up with her you know, various courses and what you want to do socially. And there was one particular day where I think heading into a week, she was feeling overwhelmed. And I thought to myself, I use this to help manage my time. And maybe I can take some of the skills I've learned and show her how it can help her in managing her time. How do you introduce it to you, Kat?
3: So every Sunday, we have a family meeting. And on that particular Sunday, he sat me down, said, open up Google Calendar, give me a list of everything you have to do and how much time you think each of those things are going to take. And we're going to block that into your week. So he really started me out with the building blocks of my week. So blocking in class times, blocking in breakfast, lunch, and dinner, my workouts, my various meetings and practices for extracurriculars, and then helped me really look to where I could block out my obligations within that. And at the time, I was taking a lot of courses that were much more test heavy, I would say. And so that's a bit more difficult to accomplish without time blocking because you really don't have any quantitative or qualitative way of measuring how much you've studied unless you're actually blocking it into your calendar and writing it down, which not a lot of people do. And so he really helped me see that in the sense that... He took me through the difference between, you know, writing a to do list and just sort of randomly approaching it as I saw fit and thinking holistically about the most effective and efficient way to execute on the different demands I had to meet in a week. How old are you now? 17.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just checking because there's people who are listening to this who are a lot older than going, damn. (sighs) (laughs) that's awesome thank you what went through your mind when you started doing this
3: why haven't i been doing this sooner
0: what was the value that you started to experience
3: that's a very hard question to answer because i would honestly say that time blocking had a massive ripple effect in every area of my life better quality and quantity of sleep more exercise, more time spent with friends and time to just relax, spend time with my family, more time overall on the things that matter to me, while at the same time, a more efficient approach to the assignments and studying that I had to achieve. My grades went up significantly my relationships improved because I was much happier and healthier. You know, when you're getting sleep and you're getting exercise and you don't have that weight of constantly wondering what you should be doing uh, at every moment on your shoulders, you're a lot happier. So, yeah.
0: What's interesting is I'm having a very um, surreal moment even just listening to you because I know, John, you see this with the people that work in your organization. They spend so much of their time throughout the day just being busy. And because they don't get the most important things done, they end up sacrificing the things that matter most, Mm -hmm. the time with the people that matter most, their health, their sleep. Yet, I'm hearing this come out of the mouth of a teenager. John, I mean, as a parent, one, what did it feel like to see her before time blocking Enduring those levels of stress? Look, as a
2: parent, you're always, um, you hate to see your kids stressed. You can empathize with it because you've been there yourself, but you want to help them. And the thing that's been most gratifying is being, you know, Kat said something before, why wasn't I doing this sooner? I didn't figure this out until I was in my 40s. And I think it really makes me happy that I could help her figure this out when she's a teenager it certainly improved her life and i've noticed that firsthand but also it it's not just about where she is now it's about where she's going and this will be sustainable through college through you know when she's in the workforce at some point so you know i think it's it gives as a parent you know you always want to help your kids and to be able to provide them with something that you know candidly i gave her the framework she did it all on her own you know she has to do it you know to see her do that is you know I'm obviously incredibly proud of her but uh it yeah,
0: is incredibly satisfying as a parent to to help them on their way yeah that's amazing so we we fast forward to the end of last year and you and your wife elizabeth joined us virtually for the couples goal setting retreat i'm curious what was the value that you and your wife got that ultimately led you to look at cat and say hey honey next weekend Let's sit down and do the individual retreat together.
2: I think the the goal setting retreat was fantastic. You know, I've really believed in this overall beyond time blocking for years and years. And it really brought home the retreat, being on the retreat for a couple of days, even though it was virtual, being with a like-minded community of people and, you know, hearing not just the time blocking elements of the retreat, but retreat, but doing your 411, setting your GPS, thinking about your values. My wife and I just really enjoyed the two days immensely. And Kat's going to go into a difficult or challenging year where she is going to be thinking about college. And the, the tools that you and Jay and Caitlin talked about in the retreat, as we thought about for her, this would be great for her to, to have this experience as she starts to think about applying to college over the course of the next year.
0: So Kat, what was the experience like for you?
3: It was really interesting because I wasn't really going into it with any fixed set of expectations. I was sort of just listening to my dad's suggestion. I was excited to be with my dad for a few days and see Where the retreat took us. I had a fantastic experience with the retreat. Like he said, I really enjoyed looking holistically at my values and from that, having a compass with which I could steer my goal setting and my perspective on some of the tasks and obstacles that I had coming up in a critical year, like junior year of high school.
0: Did you figure out what your values were?
3: Yes. I think, if I can recall, the thing that I valued most about the retreat was the clarity and sense of control that it gave me about a year that I believe most students view as turbulent and uncertain, and a year that I would view as turbulent and uncertain without these systems to mm. lay a foundation for my work.
0: What are you guys as a family now doing post-retreat? So we
2: continue to have our family meeting every Sunday. And what we're doing is we're starting to each develop a 411 mm-hmm. to talk about that, to work through measurable goals. I'd say that's in progress. You know, there's no perfection at this point, but I'll well, fast forward you have five years. There still isn't, so you're you're good. <laughs> but I think it's given us more of a framework now where we're all on the same page because we've all gone through the retreat in terms of thinking about how we can accomplish bigger things. The thing that resonated with my wife on the retreat was and she has one of the stickers attached to her kind of whiteboard is to basically set big goals, to think big. And so I think it's given us permission to really think big and then to figure out what steps we need to take over time to try to get to those big goals.
0: What do you think stopped you from thinking bigger in the past?
2: I think for me, it was really more the focus on how to get through the next week or the next month and not taking the time because life's busy to really step back and say,
0: where do we want to be in Five years. Mm. This, well, I'm curious to dive in there because even I was doing a training for a company earlier today, and somebody literally said in the chat box, This is awesome, but I don't have the time to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you work in a very hour intensive industry. Mm-hmm. What allowed you to start taking the time to put the plan in place? Well, one of my values is self discipline. Mm. And I
2: think the way I exercise that is time blocking and blocking time to do that. And when I typically will do that. It'll be early on a Sunday when I know that I will not have work commitments where I will have space to think longer term about work, about personal. That's great. And really just you know, to, to do that on a consistent
0: basis. John, what do you now see being possible for Kat, now that she's learned these principles and is starting to put them into action as a teenager. I think anything's possible for her. I think she has
2: a fantastic future ahead of her, regardless of what she decides she wants to do. I think having these tools will enable her to set big goals and to work towards them. But look, as a parent, um, speaking for my wife and I, we just want her to do what she wants to do, what her goals are. And she will figure that out over time. But I think she now has a framework with which she can look as to how to set big goals and take incremental steps to accomplish something.
0: Yeah. Well, Kat, I'll even say just listening to you talk because my daughter's 10 years behind you. She's seven right now. And she already understands what the one thing is. And her favorite thing to do is when daddy's doing a training, she'll walk in and go, guess what my one thing is? And people go, what's your one thing? She goes, respecting daddy's time block. Bye-bye. And she storms out of the room. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, but to to decide that she still has that innocence where life is just about playing and school is for friends and at home she just wants to hang out with her dad. Now, I haven't fast forwarded thinking about the stress and the things that she would endure, and hearing you talk about that, I imagine Daphne saying it, which um, hit me pretty deeply. So to even hear you take these principles and to start to to set those things aside and actually feel happier, like you brought more value to me than than I probably have brought to you. So thank you.
3: Thank you. I also wanted to add, off of something you said earlier, a question you asked on why don't you think you did this before? Directed towards that. And I just wanted to say, I see so many students really struggling, whether that be with academics, whether that be with mental health, whether that be with social life. And I think it's really valuable to think about what we are spending our time doing when we're saying that we don't have the time to do this stuff. I think it's really important i one of my values was joy mm. which was an interesting choice and i think it's really important to think about how you want to live your day-to-day life whether that's going to be under immense stress and eventual honestly mental physical and social impacts from that stress or if you're going to decide to do the hard thing and look out for yourself and look out for your future and take control of your time. And I think it's really important not to beat yourself up too much about the past and not doing this earlier because I think that's kind of a losing game. But it's very valuable to remember that you always have more time. You always have an opportunity to change your habits and to decide to turn the page, turn the corner and take back control over what's important to you. So I would just say that to anyone out here who's kind of annoyed at listening to a 17-year-old talking about these things. You know,
0: I think you're rocking some people's worlds because the thing that you're saying, whether it's for a teenager, it applies to them where they're at in their life right now. John, I'm curious. There's a lot of parents that are listening to this that are going, okay, I want to share this with my kids. What's one thing they can do to actually be effective in sharing it so it's well-received? That's a really good question.
2: As a parent, what I have found over time is I think first and foremost, you need to show before you tell. Mm. And what I've always tried to do is, for the things I want Kat to think about is role model them first. And so I would say that if you are interested in potentially influencing your children on this. I think you first have to start with yourself and demonstrate the value of this to your family. And it's had a really big impact on my family life. I do have a, a job that has a lot of demands, but it has enabled me to carve out, obviously not as much time as I would like, but time for the family. And I think I had, what Kat can answer, this credibility when I suggested it because mm-hmm. she could see the value it brought on my end.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you as a, as a high school student, mm-hmm. there's going to be parents that are listening to this that would love your opinion. What can mm-hmm. a parent do to recommend this in a way that a kid, was, a kid your age would receive it?
3: Think about the place that you're coming from before you try and implement this. Really reflect on why you want this for your child because i think from there you'll be much better equipped to communicate it to them in a way that has more love infused in it rather than communicating to them a sense of disappointment or pressure i think it's very important that your child knows first and foremost that whether or not they're doing this you're incredibly proud of them and you love them very much and i think That's one of the main components of why I was so receptive to following this is because I've always known and also had the idea reinforced that above all, my parents are going to be proud of me no matter what. And that's something that I really want parents to think about coming away from listening to this. I promise you, high school is very difficult and everyone is doing their absolute best, including your child. So before you approach them with this idea, just know that and communicate that you know that to them. And then from that space of compassion, do your best to articulate this idea to them in the best way possible. And also give them a chance to explore this on their own. Don't be overly disciplinary with it, you know, at the end of the day, they have to want it for it to work. And the last thing you want to do is end up pushing them further away from this habit. So ease into it, study on the pressure, and most importantly, come from a place of caring.
0: I needed to hear that, actually. like we're we're mm-hmm. doing a family. My kids have been doing affirmations every day. For a 60 day challenge, which they're seven and five, and my five-year-old, like, still his speech, he's like, "I am brave, I am strong." But, but like on the days that they miss, I'm like, "Have you gotten your one thing done?" Like accountability, daddy comes in, and <laughs> you just made me realize they never gave me permission to be accountability daddy, which is good. I, I'm curious because you best believe a lot of parents are going to be now sharing this episode with their kids, and now that young adult is listening to this, rewinding. Everything you've implemented so far, Kat, if if you could give them advice on just one thing to start doing, it would actually make so much of what they're going through easier. What would it be?
3: Make your bed in the morning. Why? I listened to a very impactful TED talk by a Navy SEAL commander. Unfortunately, I can't recall his name at this point.
0: William McRaven. There you go. He wrote, he wrote the book, Make Your Bed, right?
3: yes uh-huh at the very beginning of starting to lean into a lot of these systems and these habits and i would highly recommend listening to that because he articulates this in a far more sophisticated and meaningful way than i ever could hope to but making your bed in the morning is a very simple but powerful way that you can begin to implement discipline to build trust in your ability to form and hold a habit and to foster a sense of pride and accomplishment in your behaviors on a day-to-day basis. I, for one, did not make my bed every day for years. I hate to say it. I wish I had, but it's truly been one of those building block habits for me of being able to look at myself in the mirror every morning and know that no matter how the day goes, I've gotten one thing done and I can be proud of that.
0: It's actually a keystone habit. It's a habit that's so powerful. It starts to shine down in a lot of other areas of your life, which Mm -hmm. uh, is very interesting. So I love that you went there. Thank you. Well, I thank you to both of you for coming on because, um, I have a feeling that people are going to come out of the woodwork on this episode talking about it. So I just can't thank you enough for sharing. Thank Thank you you for having us. us. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with John and Kat McGuire. I love that one. And I, I have a feeling that we will be hearing from many of you on this one. You know, we can always tell when it's a really good episode because, you know, we always ask you to leave us a rating and review of a specific episode made an impression on you. And I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of you making comments on your podcast player of choice on this one, which I can't wait to hear. And please do do that if this specifically did make an impression on you, because I I know John and Kat would love to see that as well. First thing that really stands out to me is how John talked about the importance of modeling the behavior, not just saying, hey, do this, but doing it yourself and setting the example. He did it with time blocking. And then when he saw the things that Kat was struggling with to say, all right, honey, let's sit down. Write down all the stuff you got to do this week. Let's open up Let's open up your calendar. Let's just start blocking time one thing at a time. Just partnering with her side by side to block that time out. And I've actually had the, the experience of doing this with leaders and companies who maybe haven't... They know how to schedule an appointment, but they've never time blocked the things that matter most. That simple exercise is massively powerful. And then hearing Kat, just the way that she spoke about within a year of time blocking, starting to feel happiness again, having more time for her friends, having more time for the gym, having time with the family, doing better in school, sleeping better, because she put the most important things on her calendar. The thing that really resonated with me at the end was when she was just saying, "You know, give them space to do it by themselves, because I, I did share. I hold myself to such a high standard because I'm one of the, the, the voices behind this microphone. And I feel I feel a sense of responsibility to be purposeful in living this. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect every day, but I'm very purposeful about it. I can't help but when starting to share with my family to want to hold them to such a high standard because I see the value. And it was good for me to hear, to let them go on their journey as well. If this episode has brought value to you, I... Who are the people, who are the who are the parents and who are the young people that need to hear this? Because my goodness, if I had known what I now know when I was 17, instead of when I turned 30, holy smokes. So please share it with those people. And if you are new to the One Thing Podcast, click the subscribe button. So all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. Thanks so much for investing your time with us. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.